The views and opinions expressed by the following program are those of the host, guests, and callers, and are not necessarily those of this station or Webster Rock Hill Ministries, its management, or other hosts or underwriting sponsors. Programs presented by KWRHLP are for educational and entertainment purposes only. John Henry, he could hammer, he could whistle, he could sing. Went to the mountain early in the morning just to hear his hammer ring, Lord, Lord, just to hear his hammer ring. Well, welcome back to St. Louis in Tune with Arnold Stricker and Mark Langston. We're going to be talking about John Henry, the Battle of John Henry. And we thought we'd prompt everybody with that particular ballad. Something that I remember singing in elementary school. Something I remember teaching when I was an elementary music teacher. And on the line, we have Matthew Rice, who's the director of the Ballad of John Henry. And that is part of the Cinema St. Louis, St. Louis Filmmakers Showcase. Matthew, welcome to St. Louis In Tune. Hi, thanks so much for having me. And you're a videographer, uh, a video editor. You've produced uh, content for a variety of companies and nonprofits, uh, kind of corporately, the medical industry, education, technology, real estate. And I was really intrigued that you've worked with a couple groups that uh, got some awards, and you were working on a project that actually was part of a Ken Burns series, correct? Correct. Yeah, I was an intern at the time uh, working with him and uh, learned quite a bit. (laughs) And what was that particular uh, Ken Burns series that you worked on? Uh, So I worked on the Vietnam War series and a little bit on the the country music, which which just came out. Wow. So tell people what a videographer does and a video editor. What what do you do? You know, do you sit in a booth and you've got this, you know, screen in front of you and what what do you do there? Sure. Um, so as a videographer, I think it, there's a lot of different hats that a videographer must wear um, in terms of producing video content. Um, some people see videographers as people who you know record events or interviews. Um, in my case, I'm, I'm kind of um, a jack-of-all-trades. I shoot, I edit, um, produce. Um, in this case, I'm, I'm telling a story, so I was writing a bit of a script and doing research on it for the John Henry film. Um, so yeah, as a videographer, I think it's, it's kind of one of those tough things to define as a, as a career or a job, um, just because there are many different interpretations of what a videographer must do. <laughs> now, when was the the kind of fervor that was brought up in your heart to like, hmm, I might want to do that. I might, might want to make some films or work with the film industry. Was that something that you had a background in or had an interest in as a child or in, in high school or in college? Or wh- where, did that, where did that develop and really grab you? Yeah, so I uh, it, it started when I was, a child, I, you know, was making, it was kind of like, uh, uh, I saw Steven Spielberg and some of the other filmmakers like him as sort of like my idols and started off creating miniature movies and lighting things, um, on fire in the backyard to, to make them look like grand productions. <laughs> um, and that led me to, uh, go to film school and in college. And, um, I was, uh, went out to LA thinking that the Hollywood system was was the right place for me. But um, while I was in school, I fell in love with documentary filmmaking and um, haven't really looked back ever since. What do documentaries do for people? What 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 niche does that fill for for our society? Well, I think 
with documentaries that they're um, almost um, more incredible sometimes than, than fiction, the, the truth is. And um, it's, I think, important to not only try and tell the story as, as true as you can, um, but also kind of follow up on, on every lead that, that, that's out there. Um, so in, in my case, I think it's you know, important to try and figure out um, the full story before you report on it. And um, I think it's become a much more popular medium, which I'm really excited to see. Yes. But also uh, would love to see uh, more filmmakers try and tell truthful stories or as honest of a story as they can rather than um, create another source of fiction. Now, as you, as you were thinking about developing this particular docu- documentary on the Ballad of John Henry, is this your first one or is, is this one that's been down the line? Uh, so this is my first feature-length film. Um, I have made shorter films, so I, I did a few short documentaries in, in college and then a few outside of college. Um, and as a videographer, I think that that's part of it. Like, um, I, you know, docu- documentary filmmaking has always been a passion. So anytime a client's willing to, to pay me money <laughs> to do a documentary film, I'm always willing to take it. So I've been able to um, luckily be able to do that with a few nonprofits as well. Um, but this is my first, you know, longer um, documentary film. Now, now, why John Henry? Uh, I don't know. Maybe uh, you heard that song growing up too, or it's it's really one of the most famous folk songs I think uh, in our country. But why did this? Did you choose this particular song and this particular yeah, person? Um, absolutely. Yeah, I think uh, first of all, thank you for uh, introducing with the song. I, I really fell in love with the music. Um, but to be truthful, I didn't hear many songs um, that were John Henry, like the Ballad of John Henry. What I, uh, my earliest recollection was um, the Disney animation, the cartoon, um, and then I'd read a book as a, as a child by Jack Ezra Keats, which is an amazing um, rendition of the story. Um, but for me, it was really fascinating because as a kid, I fell in love with him as a hero, and um, he was, you know, this mythological person that was bigger than um, a man. Um, and as I kind of re-examined that story later on, I thought it was always kind of odd that we were celebrating someone who um, dies working on a railroad. And um, I think that says a lot about our, um, you know, who we are as a country and why that this story is so important to us. Um, and uh, I came across um, Scott Nelson's book, Steel Driving Man, um, which is his sort of look at a realistic um, possibility of who John Henry could have been um, and really fell in love with it because, to me, it, it told a, another completely different story, um, one that's a little bit darker, but um, also, you know, very important to be to be um, told. So, so, yeah. so- when you're kind of setting this all up in your mind or maybe on a sketchboard or, or some kind of um, Venn diagram that you're deciding what you want to include, how do you go about, like for, on this particular uh, documentary that you've done on, on the Battle of John Henry, how did you go about planning like what you were going to write, who you were going to talk to, what videos you were going to show, what photographs, et cetera, like that? What, how do you plan that out? Uh, yeah, that's a really good question. It was this was like um, 
this whole process for me was like a, a master's degree in documentary <laughs> uh, filmmaking for feature length films. So I was um, luckily through some of my experiences before this, especially with um, my experience at, uh, with Ken Burns' uh, filmmaking process, I at least knew how to start the project or at least felt confident enough that I could start the project. Um, so I spent about a year and a half um, just doing research and finding as many different sources and people, experts out there that could potentially talk about this subject. And as I kind of uncovered a lot of the details, I was looking for kind of a basic structure um, in terms of how, how was I going to start the story in the past and how, how was I going to bring it to something, you know, a little bit more present that um, we can potentially look back on, on everything that's occurred. So um, I ended up doing that for about a year and a half and then started reaching out to, to the people that I identified as good potential interview subjects. And luckily, every single one um, said yes. It was, they were all very kind enough to spend, um, you know, two hours of their, most of them were on Saturdays, so they were taking time out of their day to come and, and visit with me. And I was very honest up front and let them know that this was my first big documentary film and that I would do my best. Um, but um, that's how I got started, is just really interviewing people, understanding what the story was, um, and then from there kind of sourcing out um, images, archival materials, um, which ended up being the biggest challenge for me, <laughs> um, just because there's not as many um, sources out there for this this topic. Yeah, because it's it's a ballad, and so it's you know I I think many things are thought to be my words mythological or fables, and some is reality, and and you you read the the lyrics because there are several lyrics by. Uh, you know, several stanzas, I should say, that depending upon who you're you're listening to, uh, some sing all stanzas, some sing different stanzas, and as, as folk music as it's passed on, it it changes because it's a passing on of culture. As as you were doing these interviews, what changed about your impression of John Henry? Yeah, it's a really good question. So um, the the main thing that changed, I so my recollection of the post-Civil War South and the history behind that was um, pretty, like, it felt very neat. So um, the thing that really caught my eye and made me realize that things did not get resolved as easily as, as they should or could have um, were when I started learning about um, the Black Codes and um, a lot of the laws that were created um, in the Reconstruction era uh, following the war um, and realizing just by looking at this one person. So in the, the film, um, I, I focus on one particular person named John William Henry, who was a convict uh, who was forced to work on the railroad. And just by looking at his story in particular, it made it very clear to me um, just how difficult he had it um, during that time. And, um, that really stuck out to me. So I was not expecting that. I was expecting it to be a little bit um, more organized, I guess, or complete. Um, and the more I kept researching, the more I kept talking to people, just the more questions that came up about, you know, what had occurred and what is still occurring, um, it really was eye-opening for me. 
Yeah, because do you remember? I, I know I, I had kind of previously asked you this, but you know, as you're going into this, and you are you thinking that you know John Henry maybe was some person, or uh, as you said, you you read in the in the book uh, that you was a source material for you, kind of a, a kind of a help helping you, uh, Scott Nelson's book, Steel Driving Man, was was this revelation about uh, Reconstruction. Did he did he kind of get into that a little bit, or was were you like, wow, I never really had heard that before? Yeah, so uh, luckily the book, uh, the Steel Driving Man book, does touch quite a bit on that um, subject. So it it explains um, basically what we were able to uncover. And I so jumping back a little bit, in order to find all the source materials that I needed, I basically kind of retraced the steps that Scott Nelson. Um, took to mm-hmm. to find this. He basically called himself um, a collector of junk, <laughs> um, <laughs> but he picked up a lot of like different facts um, that he and he wasn't even like at the time researching specifically about John Henry. He was just looking into um, that Reconstruction era where they were building the railroad. Who was working on the railroad? He was reading a lot of accounts from different engineers um, working on the railroad and some of the workers, um, but. Every each piece kind of kept leading him back to this one particular person, and ultimately that's when he realized that this you know was a good candidate for the John Henry, the true John Henry um, that the story is based on. Um, and so, I guess yeah, for me it was just really fascinating to like look into that and under like try and figure out um, you know what were those pieces involved, and then how did they all fit into the grand. Um, history behind uh, what was happening. This is Arnold Stricker with Mark Langston of St. Louis in Tune. We're talking to Matthew Rice, who's director of The Ballad of John Henry, and that is actually part of the St. Louis Filmmakers Showcase for Cinema St. Louis. And Matthew, as you were talking about that, and as I was able to watch the, uh, the documentary and know, and I really agree with what you're saying, that that particular portion of Reconstruction, uh, it, it seems like the South was reconstructing their own reality at the time by many of the uh, later on Jim Crow laws that they put into place, but how they use the existing amendments of the 13th, 14th, uh, and 15th Amendments. And I'm reading now a little from the 13th Amendment because we know that that really eliminated and abolished slavery completely, except there was an exemption for penal labor from its uh, prohibition of forced labor. So it allowed prisoners who had been convicted of crimes, not those merely awaiting trial, to be required to perform labor or else face punishment while in custody, and not giving away anything in your your documentary. But that was a, a really cruel and way around for a lot of the South to do things and i.e. get the all these railroads built. Yes. Yeah, that's very true. I it, That was another fascinating thing, what, what you're describing. So um, right after the Civil War, the, the Freeman's Bureau gets established, and they're basically there to um, help sort of protect um, African Americans um, and their, their liberties. But um, what was fascinating was that they were also there to enforce um, laws that were still 
um, basically trying to keep them um, in a certain place, in a certain labor class. Um, so I'd always viewed the Freeman's Bureau as, a, as an organization that was looking out for African Americans during that time, but in all actuality, they were enforcing the laws that were in place. And you're right, the 13th Amendment allowed um, that law to um, allow them to basically um, enforce penal uh, uh, work labor. Um, so I thought that was really interesting. Um, and it wasn't until the 14th Amendment was established that they could kind of, um, you know, put that on hold, I guess. Now, do you have a favorite uh, artist, musical artist, or band that has performed the ballad of John Henry? Uh, so my favorite is by far Lead Bellies. Um, he was a he was also a convict um, actually, um, and he was really big like in the the forties and fifties. Um, but yeah, his his rendition is one of my favorites. You know, and unfortunately, I had it in the documentary originally, but could not get the rights to it. So. It's just one of those things where you wish you could you could include it, but I would highly recommend going out and listening to that. Uh, now, is that a fast version or is that a slow version? Is that the blues version or is that like a the up tempo one that I learned in school? It's uh, more of a blues type version. It's um, it's interesting. Like as years progress, it goes from more of like a, a kind of a depressed kind of version where it's it's slower and uh, the lyrics focus more on the death involved with the, the competition and the later versions become more fast paced and more exciting and fun. Um, so I think again, it's our, our, it's interesting how over the years it's kind of changing the way we look at what had actually occurred. You know, as I was doing some research for the show and listened to a variety of artists perform that some of the, it seems the original ones that were passed down were slow because they were actually chain gang songs or they were sung while people were working and you didn't want to do something with an up tempo because you'd you know kill yourself really pretty quickly and they would they would allow to get into kind of a, a flow and a sink and uncertain words is when the hammer hit the uh, hit the steel and so that's how they got a, a flow and, and, a, and a synchronization to what they were doing, which kind of takes me to you. I was really surprised uh, when I heard about the uh, origin, and I know our, uh, our studio manager right now will be very interested in this, about rock and roll. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so um, I, that was another thing that was really interesting to me. So uh, basically, work songs, they had a downbeat. Um, so there would be a lyric where like this old hammer, and then they would usually, sometimes they would emphasize the downbeat with like a huh or um, some sort of like um, sound. And then they would, that's when they would hammer. And so the idea is when you're, the men were basically working all together and they needed some sort of way of telling them when to strike the, the steel, the drill. Um, so at every downbeat, that's when they would perform that task. Um, and basically now, like blues music, it also has a downbeat, and so does rock and roll. And so it was just really fascinating to me how it like, started off as work songs, um, and we can even see some of the lyrics from other work songs kind of bleed into 
um, popular popular blues songs, and then into rock and roll as well. Um, so I thought that was really fascinating. And I can't remember the direct lyrics. I know it's in the film, but Scott Nelson actually is able to basically rocking and rolling um, when you when you uh, talk about that in steel driving terms or um, railroad construction terms. Rocking essentially is when um, you'd have two men on a steel driving team. You would have the shaker and you would have the steel driver. And the shaker was the one who would hold the drill bit in the ground. And then um, the steel driver would be hammering into that, that bit. And so um, in between each time they strike the steel um, bit, um, they would either the shaker would either rock it to loosen the rock or roll it to loosen it. And so that, that's the phrase, rock and roll. I found that fascinating. I was like, wow, that, that, was, a, <laughs> that was a real revelation to me, but it makes sense, you know? And that yeah, that term would be cool. borrowed then. Right, yeah, yeah. And it, it was really fun to kind of trace back a few other work songs. I mean, it, it really, you can see the, uh, the origins from some work songs into rock and roll. It's, it's pretty cool. Now, were you able to go to the tunnel the supposed tunnel that uh, John Henry had worked in? I did. So um, there's there's two tunnels in question, at least within the, the film I created. Um, the main one, though, that is open to the public, and I would highly recommend it, is in Talcott, West Virginia. Um, it's a, The tunnel is called Big Bend, and that's the most popular um, location for where the competition took place. Um, if you listen to some of the songs, it's it's referenced directly in those songs. Um, and now it's like a, a park. So they have a, a statue of John Henry out front, um, standing in front of the, the, the tunnel. And then you can go actually go up and look inside the tunnel. It's, it's a pretty um, incredible experience. So I w- was able to see that one and um, it's open to the public. And then there's another one that's a bit more hidden. Um, it's also like out of commission, so it's, there's no active trains going through it. Um, but that took a little bit, uh, more research to figure out where it was. It's, it was a bit off the beaten path. Um, but I was able to get there. And the reason why that one is, um, not as popular is that, um, Scott Nelson through his research found another tunnel, um, basically in the story or in the research, they were trying to figure out where were steam drills put into use. Um, and unfortunately, there was never any records that proved steam drills were put into use at the Big Bend Tunnel, um, which is what everyone claims is the, the site of this competition. Um, but there were quite a few records that indicated that steam drills were put into use at the Lewis Tunnel. Um, so that was our connection to figure out, well, this is probably, if, if John Henry were to compete against a steam drill, he'd probably want to compete against it at Lewis Tunnel, where there was actually a confirmed steam drill working there. Makes sense to me. So, Matthew, how can people see the Ballad of John Henry? Yeah, so right now it's screening at uh, Cinema St. Louis um, through the Filmmaker Showcase. Um, It's so great that it's screening there. And um, that's basically, we're doing a lot of film festivals currently just to see... um, you know, what, what the reception's like, and then the goal is to uh, release it as an educational documentary film for schools and, and libraries and educational institutions. Um, so hopefully very soon we'll have it available uh, for that use. Matthew Rice, director of The Ballad of John Henry. Matthew, thanks for coming on the show today. We greatly appreciate it. Thanks for having me.